with me over to, to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, you know that, that prophetically, uh, you know, sometimes we, we get together and we teach, uh, and that's really good that we understand things in our line-upon-line nature. Uh, that's very positive for us, I think, when it comes to the Word of God. But these last few services, I believe, they are more prophetic declarations over your life and our life, and Light City Church's life, and, and Fort Erie, Southern Ontario, Western New York, all these type of things, when God is talking very specifically about a Kairos moment, a moment in time when we shift from one season or one time into another time. And so I believe that that's what's been happening with us over the last couple of months. I, uh, I was, you know, Pastor Tina and I were away we were able to get one of those $400 cruises last minute when we, what was the name of those two hurricanes, Jose and Irma? And so Jose had, had, was coming up and I figured we could get the boat across to Bermuda before Jose came and then Jose would pass and we'd sneak back in, but we didn't quite, that didn't quite work, but that was my plan. But nobody else wanted to go on the boat, so her and I went on the boat anyways. <laughs> digression is not a key of getting through the service today. So, um, on the way back from that, we left out of Boston, and so on the way back from that, the Lord began to speak to me about us going into a cocoon experience. Um, and so as, he, as he's continually unraveled that for me over the last couple of months, is really watching what's going on and being really tuned in to you know, the season of breaking forth out of that cocoon. And we've talked about that the last couple of weeks that we've been uh, together. Many of you have been feeling that kind of, you know, really weird, pressurized, squeezing through a small hole kind of a feeling uh, over the last number of months. And sometimes we can confuse that. We've talked about that. This is not a time to be confused. It's not a time to change direction. It's not a time even to get worried about where things are. As you could imagine, the little caterpillar inside of that cocoon, he just does what caterpillars do. And the pushing forth out of the cocoon, as I hear from scientists, is an, is an important part of the development of what's going to happen inside of that butterfly. If you don't do that, if we cut him loose, then the blood or whatever doesn't squeeze through all the wing bits and all that, and he'll never be able to fly. Right. So oftentimes, it's just that we need to be the ready to do it ourselves. As you, many of you have, you're still here, you're still alive, you didn't think that was going to happen a few months ago. You thought this was the big one, it was gonna take you out, but it didn't, and you're still here. And so the Lord woke me up now, well, this is Wednesday morning last week, I sort of had this whole thing planned out of what I felt the Lord wanted us to do with New Year, Christmas Eve being on a Sunday last week, which was the birth and the coming forth of the child inside the womb. It's another one of those cocoon experiences. And then the, we were, gonna t we we're going to talk today about this thing, the courage to fly. And so uh, the Lord woke me up, though, on Wednesday morning, and he showed me, as many of you may know, and I was in my youthful days. You're probably thinking I'm still in my uh, youthful day. But back when I was in my teen years, I used to race sailboats. That was the stupid, the, the, the beautiful thing that I did with my teenage years. Um, and so the Lord woke me up with a picture, which was very kind of disturbing picture with what he showed me. And that was, he showed me, if you can imagine, maybe put, the, put one of the pictures up on the screen there. Uh, have I got Aaron? Yeah. Now you see the fullness here. This is, what a, this is what a sailboat is supposed to look like, right? You've got this, these, the, the sails and the sails are full of wind and it's just chopping, go ahead to some more of them. He's just chopping through the waves like that. You see, that's a very powerful picture. 
um, of what a sailboat is designed to do. There's a couple more there. I got a little out of control <laughs> as we were finding all these pictures and how beautiful a sailboat looks when it's full of the wind. Right. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, what the, that, oh, show, put the picture of the blue, the blue picture with the bunch of little drawings on that guy there. Okay, so just those of you who don't understand how sailboats work, sailboats work, they use the wind in all of these positions, starting at this one, all the way around, depending on what direction that the, that the sailboat is going. The only way a sailboat can't go is this way. <clears throat> this is what's called head to wind, or that the, the, the if, you know, old pirate days, they would say that the ship is in irons. It doesn't have any power. And what the Lord showed me was two sailboats in the, in the picture that I woke up with. One of them was this sailboat here, full and strong and powerful. And one of them was this sailboat here, full and, and strong and powerful. And what the Lord was telling me was that the world is this boat. The kingdom is supposed to be this boat. Now, the boats look strong and powerful, whether you're going on, this one is what's called the port tack, and this is called a starboard tack. When a boat is going on, on, a t on a, it's strong and it's powerful and it's heading in a particular direction, the only problem is this guy is heading in the wrong direction. And so what the Lord was trying to show me was that the world actually does a better job because you know, the, the sad part about what he had to share with me was that this is what the kingdom is, looks like right now. We started off here full of fear, dread, and selfishness, which are the same powers, the same, the same forces of faith, hope, and love. We've talked about this before. The world is using fear, dread, and selfishness to produce the world that you live in, that you would say, and you would be right to say, our world is a phenomenal world. It's a beautiful world. The way our world works in all dimensions of economics and education and entertainment and government and you know, on and on medicine and all these, it's a phenomenal world and it works like clockwork. I mean, I was, you know, talking to Alex the other day and I said, you know, you can go to the store right now within 10 minutes, you can get anything the world has to offer. And if you can't get it at Walmart, you can click on Amazon and they'll have it to your doorstep by tomorrow morning. It's a, how does that all happen? That's hundreds of thousands of people all getting organized to get these pair of glasses into my mailbox tomorrow morning. That's a phenomenal thing, that's, but it's all driven by fear, dread, and selfishness. Every single person in that system is working because they are afraid, because they are fearful, because they got the wolf at the door, because they don't want to be insignificant, because they don't want to have whatever, on and on and on and on. It's all driv driving by that. Now, we've all determined we don't want to do that anymore. I want to go over to God's way. I don't want to live under the knife anymore. I don't want to live under Pharaoh's boot anymore. And so we come away like you would on a sailboat, you come away from this way of doing things. But what happens in a sailboat is that you get to head to wind and if you don't have inertia, if you don't have, there's no power on this boat. You know, matter of fact, if you get stuck here, you gotta sort of rock the boat a little bit until you get it to tip the other way and the sails will fill again and off you'll go. What has happened to the kingdom of God is that it is locked in irons. It's supposed to be, go ahead and show those pictures of the boats again. It's supposed to be over here. It's supposed to be just as amazing a world times a hundred than the world that, the, that, that can be built based on fear, dread, and selfishness. 
Just imagine how many of you know that it's better to be motivated. If you have employees or you have a, a kids or you have a spouse, whatever, it's much better to motivate that person based on faith, hope, and love. Has anybody noticed that? Can anybody give me a... So when, when we're looking at a world, what God is trying to do over this next hundred years is he's trying to get the, uh, the kingdom of God moved over so that it's strong and powerful but and really producing something, really accomplishing something in the earth. Yes. Not just a kingdom that is sitting still and waiting on something miraculous happening one day. Or maybe Jesus will come back tomorrow and we'll be able to forget about all this crap. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back when we are a bride without spot or When the footstool, the, the devil and all of his works are under his feet. That is Definitely not now. I'd like it to be now. We would all like to go to heaven. But let me tell you something. You didn't get on this planet to get to heaven. You got on this planet to transform this planet. When we take a look now in Joshua chapter 3, we see people. This is the parable of moving from, from a, in a Kairos moment, moving from one place to another place just like what you saw with those sailboats, that there is a mechanism. You actually, there's five or six or seven, sometimes more than that, on a boat at one time. That, motive, that, that motion of going from one tack to the other tack, everybody's got to do what they're supposed to do. One guy makes a mistake. I remember I did that one time, dropped a guy right into, the, into Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, because I made a mistake. Let me tell you something. It's, it's an important process. So we have here the, the parable is real life in their lives, but to us, it's a parable. To us, it's a story, and we can glean from that story the important forces that are in play as God is trying to move them from one side to the other, from the wilderness into the promised land. And so here, let's read it. And if you're in verse 14 there, and it came to pass when the people removed, were removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, now they're going, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And so that's the first of all, that's look at what they're doing. They're going into battle and who goes first is the priests and the, and the Ark of the Covenant. That doesn't mean the priests are important. They don't, that's not, first, not like that. It is the first that says in your life, as you have gone through your cocoon experience, as you've been in the wilderness, as God has been transforming you, he's been moving you from the position of an Egyptian slave to the person that can occupy in, the king, in, the, in, the, in your promised land. But you're still here. You're still putting God first in your life. That's why you're here. Tonight's New Year's Eve. We should be all partying, getting drunk. But you're here because you understand something, because you've done something, because your heart has been moved towards something just like these people in the, in the parable that we're reading. And as they bore the ark, were, they that bore the ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bore the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. So what's happening here? What's happening is that, we're, that you, we take the first step. God could have taken the Jordan and dried up the Jordan. He could have not put the Jordan there. Right. <laughs> or he could have opened up the, the Jordan and split the sea starting three weeks earlier. Right. Now, he didn't do that. 
what happened was is that the, as the people assembled in, a, in a, some kind of a structure to move across the Jordan, they started moving forward when, as it says here, the, the banks of the Jordan were overflowing. This was in, this was in the season when you, it wasn't easy to get across, hardest time at all to, of the year to get across. What happened was is that the priests had to come, the people had to come ready to go and put their feet into the water. And then when they put their feet first into the water, then what happened is all of the Jordan started to back up. What does that tell us? That tells us when it comes to going across into our promised land, we make the first move. We have to have the courage to believe God. We have to know that this is what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to go forward and do the things that, we, that, that he's saying we can do. Yeah. And then what happens in that, that the waters which came down from above stood up and rose up like a heap. If you can imagine that. It was like the Lake Erie. And all of a sudden, Lake Erie would turn into a mountain of water as all the water would stop at the beginning of the river. That was what happened. Very far from the city of Dom, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came downward from the sea, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. So if you know where you are here, you can go the... the, the uh, what do you call that one with all the salt in it? It's called the Dead Sea. The waters, from, as they stopped them up here, what could happen is the Dead Sea could roll backwards. It didn't do that either. So basically, God put a dam up on both sides of the Jordan so that the Jordan dried. And the priests that bore the Ark of the Covenant stood still firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So what happened was they, the priests went out, everybody went out, all of a sudden in the middle of the Jordan now, they just stand there as all the people come by. This is the interesting part. Uh, in the midst of the Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on, drown, until, uh, on, uh, on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. You see, what's happening is, is when we put God first, this is the metaphor, we put God first, as you all have, we have the courage to go, as you all are doing right now, as we're going into 2018. We're having the courage to not just live 2018 like it's been in the past. I'm recognizing the prophetic voice of God right now that says, I'm going into a, into a, into a time, a chronos uh, thing, an amount of time that is very different from where I have come from. Things are dramatically changing. And what's happening, God is going to start, if you will go, if you'll put your feet into the water, if you will set your heart to go, set your heart to do the things that God is asking you to do, those courageous things that God has got before you. Like what Pastor says, they're just those things, or like Alex says, the things you're trying to ignore God saying to you right now, the things you're trying to talk yourself out of, the things that still seem impossible to you. You continue to walk forward. You just put your feet into the water and what you'll start to see, it doesn't take a lot. And it doesn't have to be that God splits the Niagara River so you don't have to pay the toll on the bridge. It can be whatever, it, whatever you do to step forward, watching for the miracles of God, the change already starting to be produced in your life. You start getting favored. You start having opportunities. You start having resource come to you. You start having wisdom and understanding come. All of a sudden, pip, it just comes. That's because you're in a new season. You have to be attentive to that because what happens with miracles is miracles build on miracles. The more miracles you see, the more miracles you believe for. As we do that, just taking it as a prophetic voice right now to say, God, this is my Kairos moment. This is my time. In Joshua chapter five, really quickly, 
This is, and now they get, they've come across the Jordan. The Jordan fills back in again. They get to the camp. They're ready to go. And God says to Joshua, go and make yourself a set of knives. How many of you know what's going on here? And what Joshua does is Joshua gathers all the men who had been in the wilderness now, gathered them, and he circumcised them. Now, this is on the, 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 the army, the, the Jericho side of the, of the river. What's that talking about? I mean, everybody that is on the Jericho side of the river is ready to fight. They are on high alert. Why? Because it says you, that they, they cross the Jordan right in front of Jericho, not like hiding down at the end where they can sneak up on them. People in, in Jericho actually looked over the walls and could see the people coming across a dried up Jordan. So you'd think now we've got to be ready, right? These guys are going to fight. These guys are going to be ready. And so we need to be ready in battle. And you, you want me to do what exactly? You know, because, you know, if you've been, this is kind of a crude topic <laughs> to talk about in church, but you just don't get circumcised and go home for dinner, right? You got to heal and you got to have everything come back to, you know, you know it, can I move on? So there's a season here where they're incapacitated. All of the warriors of Israel, the people, even though they're just desert dwellers, they got clubs and sticks in their hands. But they're, the, they're the fighters. They're the ones that are gonna protect everything. And so now we're gonna do what exactly? What was that about? That was about as you go forward now, you don't go back to thinking that you are the key to your life in the promised land. You're deciding I'm here because of the covenant. Yes. I'm here because I have cut away the flesh. I've cut away my dependence on my puny ability. And instead of that, I have adopted the reason that I can take over in the promised land is not because I have a nuclear bomb. It's not because I'm smarter than everybody else. It's not because I'm stronger or taller or whatever. It's because of the covenant of God in my life. And every time you're in the shower, you're reminded, I have a covenant with God. Yeah. It's imp just, we just don't turn back. We just don't turn back. You can't go into the promised land, get there because of the covenant, because of the cutting away of the flesh, the dependence on self and the dependence on brains and power and might and bank account and pedigree, all that stuff. I'm not here because of that. Yeah. I can't go back now that I'm standing here. The river has already closed. I can't go back. But I cannot go and decide now when I start seeing fearful things come, I can't decide now I'm going to go back to my strength in the flesh. I have to hold my course. Parenthetically, I'm not sewing that foreskin back on again. I've got to leave it and go. But I know in my mind why God is doing this at this moment is he wants it cemented. He wants it driven into the souls of those people that your success, your place in this next Kronos time is the presence of God in your life. The things he has shown you about the word of God. Those are the keys. Follow the word of God that you know. Don't worry about what you don't know. If God shows you, that's great. But you know already enough. You have already become, as you'll see in a minute, you have already become the person 
who can take hold of the promise of God that exists for you already in this new season. When that clock hits 12 o'clock tonight and you step over that line, you are stepping into a place that you, God speaking, are well able to possess. How many of these Israelites felt like they were well able to possess? Not one of them. The only ones that knew they could do it were the ones that were, had the covenant on the inside of them that said, this is God on the inside of me that's doing this. I didn't make this up. I was happy to live in the wilderness. Most of us, you know what people say this to me all the time, you know, how do you know you're ready to go? Because you know, when God first shows you a vision for your life, man, you are revved. I am ready to go. This is awesome because you don't know enough about it yet. But the more you see it, the more you study it, the more you realize, like Frodo, that the quest is gonna cost you your life, the less you wanna go. And then the day that you absolutely don't want to go at all. Guess what day that is? That's why, because that day is not about you anymore. That day is about the call of God on your life. That's about the plan of God. That's about his direction in your life. There ain't none of you that wants to go anymore. You want to live in the sandy little desert because you've now become happy there. All my pets are scorpions. I love it here. This is how humans become. Your soul, we've talked about this. Your soul, people in the war, they would just go and they're in the battlefield. They want to sit down and stay in the battlefield. Their soul wants to quit and sit down right there. That's how your soul operates. That's why the prophetic word of God comes to us. Right when we get comfortable, snuggled up in our little cocoon. And then all of a sudden, the cocoon starts to get hard and crampy. And you start wriggling a little, what's happening? In that little caterpillar's life, that's the call of God. That's the push, that's the frustration, that's just something that's going on on the inside of you. It's a God thing. Because we would just become comfortable living in the wilderness. Go the, in your Bibles now. Go to Joshua. This is what we're doing today. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 9. Can you read it with me? And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day, now remember they have crossed the Jordan. The ark has gone before them. They put their toe in the water. They crossed over to the Jordan. They circumcised all of the men. And then God says to them, And the Lord says to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. That word reproach means a condition of shame or disgrace. It's talking about a taunt or a scorn that people will use against you. Maybe your past, maybe your weaknesses, maybe something that has happened or something that you've said or something that you've done. That word, the, the word reproach there, the root word for that word, the, you know, how the, the Hebrew language works, is they all build on roots. That root word means to expose something by stripping it. So you basically, you get laid bare. Egypt is all about stripping us down to being the, the just basic human beings, focusing on weakness and shame and all of these terrible things that are going on as they're, is it stripping us of our humanity, turning us into animals that scratch and scrape in order to make a living. That's what that's talking about. The, the word though that drew my attention here was the word rolled away. You know, I would think, <clears throat> this is God speaking. God said to Joshua, 
I've rolled away the reproach. I'm thinking, no, no, you mean you've, you've just kind of picked it up and flicked it. Or you zapped it with one of your thunderbolts or something like that. Wouldn't, that's how I would, that's what I thought he said. Because surely God doesn't have to roll something away. Like, doesn't it sound like it has effort to it? It's so big. It's so heavy that I can't pick it up and throw it away. I can't cast it away. I can't, I got to roll it away. Why is that? Because this thing of shame is so heavy. It's like the big, if you're, if you're moving down a path, it's the big rock that's in the way. You can't get around it. It's so big, it's got to be rolled away. You see what the wilderness was about? If you follow the story, you know, the 12 spies go in and they had each too much Egypt in them. I've already, I know what it takes to go up against a guy with a sword and a whip. I lose. And so they went in and they saw guys with swords and whips. They came back, too much Egypt. Yeah. And they said what? They said, no, we're grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can go there. So what was the wilderness about in the parable? It was about clearing away all of that way of thinking. It was about the manna. It was about the water. It was about the quail. It was about the, the little victories and the little battles with clubs and, and, and throwing sand at each other that they had in the, in, in the wilderness. Teaching them the God that's faithful to his covenant. As his intention is to remove the scorn. It's to remove the shame. That thing that makes us live like animals, like mere human beings, lifeless corpses wandering around the earth. And it traps us there because our minds are stuck. I'm a victim. I don't get to do what I want to do. I don't get to fulfill the dream in my heart. It's just all about the big guy, big brother, the, the, the man. And I live my life like a victim, just like pulling on the plow. That's all I do every day. I just get up and I pull the plow. I just get up and I pull the, that's what I do. I'm a plow puller. God said, this day, this day, it's like another one of those Kairos moments. There was a season in the wilderness and there's a season in the promised land and then there's this day. In every one of our lives, it's this day. Matthew chapter 20, it talks about the person, the, 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 the vineyard owner who goes out and hires people at nine o'clock in the morning to go and help him harvest his grapes. <clears throat> and a bunch of them go at nine in the morning. And then he goes again at noon, hires more guys, goes again at three o'clock, hires more guys, goes again at five o'clock and hires more guys. At 5.30, the day's over. Six o'clock, the day's over. And he goes down to pay the people. Doesn't matter whether you've been here for 15 years or whether you're the first time you've set foot in this building today. What matters is this day that there's a grace 
that is here right now, that grace available to remove the scorn, to remove the reproach. The only people that in that at this moment in time, the only people that had been in Egypt were Caleb and Joshua. But there was a baby born this day, probably many babies born this very day. That no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been working at the wilderness, no matter what's been going on in your life, lock in your spirit right now, lock in your soul to say this day, I am removing the shame of Israel from off of your life. Put your hand over your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I know it's this day that I'm standing right now in that moment in my life when you are removing from me the shame that comes with my mere humanity being exposed to the world. The reproach that comes when everybody's focused on my weakness, when everything's focused on what I can't do, what I'm not allowed to do, what I don't have the ability to do. And I declare today that I am no longer a mere man. I declare today that it's no longer me. From this moment forward, it's Christ in me. It's the power of God operating on my life to do the things that I could never do on my own. But that doesn't matter because from this moment forward, I'm not on my own. It's no longer me. It's Christ in me. picture up Aaron of that butterfly for me 
You understand what happens inside of the life of a caterpillar as it's being transformed into a butterfly. You know, when it's out hanging on that cocoon, it doesn't know what's happening inside of its life. As far as that caterpillar is concerned, when he comes out of that cocoon, he still thinks he's a caterpillar. Matter of fact, if you look at that picture of the butterfly, how many of you can see the caterpillar? But you know, that caterpillar has some new equipment. That caterpillar can do something now that he doesn't even know he can do. He's standing on that little branch just like he stood on the little branch before. And then all of a sudden what happens is a little bit of a breeze comes along. And what happens is he spreads out those wings and that breeze comes by. He can do something with that breeze that he never used to be able to do. All of a sudden he can feel as that breeze begins to take hold of the wings that have now been produced on his back. But as he lets go now, well, he's got this death grip, as you can imagine, this little caterpillar. He's used to holding on to that branch with all of his might. And now what he's got to do, he's got to have the courage to let go of that branch. He's got to have the courage to let those wings open up underneath him, to catch the wind as it blows by him. As he catches that wind, all of a sudden he finds out that he can that says, I'm leaving Egypt behind. 
Egypt is not coming into 2018. A life of shame and scorn is not coming into this next year with me. I'm ready. I've worked, you've worked hard. You've put it to the Lord to say, you know what, God, transform my life. Change me from the inside out. I'm ready to depend on you and your anointing. I'm ready to become Christ within and see the thing of the purpose and plan of your God begin to take shape, begin to take flight in your life. As that alarm goes off tonight, you put your hand over your heart and you make a solemn declaration just like these guys did in Joshua, beginning of the book of Joshua, to say, you know what, I'm going. Come hell or high water, I'm going. 